great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores, so stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details. You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzone-radio.com. The X-Zone Radio and TV show is largely an opinion talk show. All opinions, comments, or statements of fact expressed by Rob McConnell's guests are strictly their own and are not to be construed as those of the X-Zone Radio and TV show or in any manner endorsed by Rob McConnell, Relmar McConnell Media Company, Talkstar Radio Network, its affiliated stations, or employees. the Exxon, everyone. My name is Rob McConnell, and we're coming to you live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave. one 877 is toll-free. Email exxon at talkstarradio.com on MSN Messenger, talkstarradio at hotmail.com, and our websites, www.xzoneradio.com, and you can watch, listen, and chat at www.xzonetv.com. More than 70% of our planet is water. Fishes from the ocean provide over 80 million tons of food for the world's population each year. Ocean currents and water temperature affect hurricanes, typhoons, and droughts. Millions of jobs and hundreds of economies rely on the sea. But we are destroying the ocean, says world-renowned marine wildlife photographer, cinematographer, and former U.S. Marine Tom Campbell. The non-profit Save Our Seas Foundation, SOSF, of which Tom sits on the committee, hopes to use new series of children's books, like uh, Think Spy Kids meets Jacques Cousteau, kind of that kind of stuff, to inspire the next generation to save the oceans 
that have been protecting the Earth's balance since before man set foot on land. There is uh, six times more plastic than plankton in the ocean today. The shark population has been depleted by 90%, up, you know, upsetting the delicate cycle of life balance that creates harmony in the sea. Oil drilling, overfishing, and population all take part in destroying the very ocean humans rely on for consistent weather, food, and jobs. Our guest this hour, uh, Tom Campbell, hopes that the next generation will stop the damage we're doing to our planet. To inspire children, uh, Tom has taken part in pioneering the nonprofit Save Our Seas Foundation. The foundation, uh, which I said, has created a series of books much like the Nancy Drew or the Hardy Boys were to our generation, only focused on the sea. It's becoming very close to being too late to save our oceans and arguably our planet. Before his death in 1997, Jacques Cousteau told Time magazine, The oceans are in danger of dying. In the past, the sea renewed itself. It was a continuous cycle, but this cycle is being upset. Some scientists think it's too late. I don't think so. Tom Campbell, our guest, who's going to be joining me on the other side of this two-minute commercial break, is a world-renowned marine wildlife photographer and cinematographer. He was part of a select force recon unit assigned to SEAL Team 1 in Vietnam to conduct covert operations. After his discharge in 1966, he became an NAUI diving instructor. Tom spent 20 years with the California Highway Patrol. He has since become a professional ocean photographer and cinematographer, and he was one of the first uh, to work in high definition. His cinematography work has been featured on the Discovery Channel, National Geographic, PBS, and Disney. Tom's website is www.tomcampbell.com. Now, the Save Our Seas Foundation is a nonprofit with headquarters in Geneva, Switzerland. Its purpose is to implement and support diverse programs aimed at education, protect, uh, protection, and conservation of marine environment around the world. And their website is www.saveourseas.com. When I come back from this two-minute commercial break, Tom Campbell is going to be joining me, and we're going to be discussing saving our seas and how we all hope the next generation will save our seas. one 877 is toll-free. The Exxon, a place where people dare to believe and dare to be heard, will continue on the other side of this two-minute commercial break as uh, the Exxon continues from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. Don't go away. We'll be right back. Our special guest, and uh, Tom is going to be talking to us about ocean's destruction 
is Deadly to Men, and uh, we're going to be talking about how we hope the next generation will save our season. Tom, welcome to the X-Zone. Thank you very much. Tom, what will happen to the planet if we don't stop polluting the ocean? You know, like I see these these pictures on the news and on Discovery, PBS, and the networks that you've done work for, and it just makes me sick to see what we're doing. Uh, is it Rob? Yes. Yes. Well, Rob, I'll tell you, you did a pretty good introduction on the whole thing by explaining where we're kind of going with it and who started and when. And when you mentioned the comments made by Jacques Cousteau, and that was some time back, and there was, it was once said that he himself related that over the years of diving that he felt that humans had probably gone somewhere between two or three inches away from the shore when they, when they considered the entire amount of the oceans that had been explored or not explored. And... So he had a pretty good handle on things in those days, but it's changed dramatically since then because there's a lot of new things that have been introduced that have really started to affect the Earth. And our oceans play a very significant part of that, as you mentioned earlier. So I don't particularly think that the picture is quite as good as what he thought it would be, unfortunately. Tom, in your experience, what do you see as the biggest threat to our oceans? Well, there's no question that now pollution, and the U.S. is one of the major polluters, mm-hmm. pollution and shark finning are two of the worst things that we can deal with. We also have oil issues to deal with, but I see shark finning as one of the most serious, even considering pollution, which is absolutely horrific nowadays. And the reason I say that is that we do contaminate a great deal of the ocean, and we kill a lot of creatures that live in the ocean when we do that. But when we start affecting the ecosystem itself, by taking out the top predators, we affect everything down to the smallest animal on the reef. And that's where, the I think, a big part of the problem lies. Now, as far as uh, shark fin soup, mm-hmm. where is this mostly eaten? Is it, isn't it, isn't it a, an Asian delicacy? It or is. It? Um, shark fin soup is considered by the Asians, especially in China, to be not only somewhat of an aphrodisiac, but a delicacy. And the truth of the matter is that shark fin soup doesn't even have a taste. And when they serve it in restaurants, they have to put some type of chicken broth in it to give it some type of taste so people can even enjoy it. And it doesn't offer any food value whatsoever. In fact, uh, scientists have proven now unequivocally that sharks, because they're apex predators and on the top of the chain, mm-hmm. and they live a long time, they also have some of the highest mercury levels be very interesting to find out just how much mercury is in those shark fins. How about uh, how about uh, oil drilling in the sea? What does this do to the oceans? Well, oil drilling has, has had a, a tremendous effect on the oceans over a period of years, and it's easy for us to forget about some of these things that happen because I think most of us have short attention spans nowadays. That's mm-hmm. pretty evident by the type of commercials that we watch and the movies we see, but consider some of the large spills that have taken place, which the largest one was in the Gulf, the Persian Gulf, in 1991, there were approximately 240 million gallons of oil spewed into the ocean. Uh, the blowout of the offshore well in Mexico in 1979 put 140 million gallons of oil into the ocean. Everybody remembers the Exxon Valdez because as time goes on, we get better coverage in the news media. And that one got a lot of coverage, and that spilled 11 million gallons into the Prince William Sound, which is one of the key places in the world for wildlife, marine wildlife especially. So for any spill, 
only 5 to 15% can be cleaned up. In addition, 97% of the spills that occur that are under 1,000 barrels, if it's not, it's not required for these spills to be reported in federal oil spill risk analysis because the size is not considered to be too, uh, too significant. I don't think there's anyone listening to the show tonight who does not remember the, the photos and the film footage that was coming out of Alaska when the Exxon Valdez uh, spelt its crude oil into the waters and uh, the shores that were just slicked with oil, the animals, the birds. You know, if if people can't recall this and if they and if they have no no concept of what we're doing, you know, we're in a pretty bad shape. Mm-hmm. Well, I I came to Santa Barbara in 1969, and that's when the oil spill took place here. One of the platforms sprung a leak. Mm-hmm. And I'm trying to remember the exact amount of oil that was spilled into the ocean, but it was a tremendous amount. Um, it was in January, as I recall, in 1969. And the platform was about six miles off the coast, and they had a blowout. And for 11 days, workers struggled to cap and, and recapture what they could. But during that time, there was about 200,000 gallons of crude oil was spread into an 800-square-mile slick that marred about 35 miles of coastline. Now, I remember seeing all the seals, sea lions, otters, birds, and fish life that was on the shore, uh, dolphins that were covered in oil and dying. And it was really a sad, sad situation. In fact, it was unbelievable to see it, and it was almost unimaginable because you'd have to ask yourself, how could we let something happen like this when it was so detrimental to the oceans? And it didn't go away in a few months or a year. The cleaning process went on for for a long, long time, and um, I I went to a couple of different places where they were trying to clean and salvage some of the bird life that was lost because some of these animals are somewhat endangered, and it was a horrific sight. And this happens all over the world. Problem is, it's out of sight and it's out of mind. It's like much of what takes place in the ocean. When we don't get a chance to be in the ocean, and an awful lot of people don't, other than in television programs and a few things that they read, they don't realize that there's a life-and-death struggle that goes on every second under the ocean, but it's also very carefully balanced. The ecosystem has taken place over millions of years, and it's kept all this animal life alive, and it's made the ocean thrive to be what it is today. But now we play such a significant part in destroying it that I'm not sure there is a chance for a lot of things. It's, it's true that many of the sharks, which we mentioned earlier, are now become, are going to become extinct. Uh, they cannot reproduce fast enough by the numbers that are being taken out. There, there's, a, there's about 100 million sharks a year that are killed in our oceans, and most of them are killed just for their fins. Their fins are sliced off. They're caught on long lines that hang down for somewhere between 50 and 100 miles with hooks that are baited. Mm-hmm. They pull them onto the ships. They grab the sharks. They hold their heads down, they slice their fins off while they're still alive, and then they throw their carcass or their body back in the water, and of course they soon drown because they can't swim. And they sink to the bottom where they, where they rot or they become food for another source. But this has gone on now for several years, and it's been so out of control and so unmanaged that the shark populations are down, they estimate, 90%. Wow. And there are several of those species of sharks that will never make a comeback. And the effects of that are going to be very, very dramatic. And we don't even know how bad it's going to be yet, but it's just starting. 
Tom, why do you think the Japanese should not be allowed to kill whales for research? Well, for one thing, uh, whales, in, in many years past, whales were used for a number of resources, for their oil, for their livers, for mm-hmm. things that came from the whale, the meat, the fat, and a number of things. Almost everything that's found in a whale is now produced synthetically or in some other environment. And because they've become so endangered, it's, they're outlawed it's in almost every country of the world. There's only a few countries hanging on that want to kill the whales. I can just give you one example. Blue whales at one time were thought to be around 400,000 in the world, mm-hmm. and they also play a big part in the ecosystem and how they deal with plankton and what they eat. There's now less than 10,000 left. Wow. And <clears throat> worldwide. And so there are a lot of people making energetic efforts to protect these animals, but still, with the uncontrolled uh, fishing that takes place in some places like Japan, I mean, when you see their big ships come out, they have research on the side of them. And somehow they've managed to get licensing under the research guys to go out and slaughter whales. But it's all about food. So it's a pretty sad state. And I think it's one of the things that will eventually be controlled because there are so many people now that are against killing whales. What kind of food would the Japanese uh, get from a whale? I understand, you know, like uh, from... My school days. There's there's the oil that uh, that you can get. Uh, there's um, what would the Japanese eat of a whale? I've never heard of of any Japanese dish that is whale meat. Well, they do eat whale meat. Really? Yep. And uh, whale meat has been consumed in a number of countries, and it's also there's other sources that are used in it, but primarily. Uh, it's a resource that, unfortunately, they're going. To, if they continue to take it, pretty soon they'll find what has happened in many parts of the world when fishermen start finding out that they can't get more, they can't get more fish because they're gone. It's because of lack of regulations in the country and within themselves. Most fishermen don't stop to think of how valuable the resource can be if they maintain it. And there are certain types of fish that can be fished forever if they're maintained and there's regulations. It's like we would not go out and shoot all the polar bears in the world or grizzly bears because we wanted to shoot them. Mm-hmm. We have to have some control on that so that they can reproduce at a rate that will keep the survival rate going. And the same thing happens with whales and other species of marine life. So it's there are a lot of people working very hard to do this nowadays, and I think the Save Our Seas organization is one of the one of the examples of a small group of people that started with one founder's uh, dream of protecting wildlife. And that's in the last five years has built enormously in size and it's provided science research, provided documentaries for educational purposes, and they've really now gotten into, <clears throat> they realize that it's the children that we have to educate because many right, let's talk about the Save Our Seas Foundation when we come back from the news at the bottom of the hour. Tom Campbell's our special guest. Here are the websites, Exonation, SaveOurSeas.com. That's www.SaveOurSeas.com or www.Ocean.com. Tom Campbell and I will return on the other side of this news break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on shortwave.
there are a lot of people out there making claims of miracle cures for this or that, but they're usually anonymous. Margie Garrison, who they call the arthritis lady, gives you her name and tells you her story. In July 1979, Margie was amazed when her doctor uttered the words, arthritis is the easiest disease there is to cure. What a difference from what she'd heard for 43 years that there was no cure for arthritis. We don't have time here, but to learn the secret Margie learned, get to a computer and log on to healthstarproducts.com. It's guaranteed or your money back, and you have a full year to decide. Look it up for yourself online at healthstarproducts.com. Healthstar, H-E-A-L-T-H, healthstarproducts.com. This is Dan Hall from No More Waiting, the folks that get structured settlement holders their money now. So right now, call us at 800-769-3498. Got an insurance settlement that's taking years to pay out, but you want your money now? No More Waiting is for you. You're in the third year of a 20-year settlement, but you want a new car or a new home now. No More Waiting is for you. Need to catch up on bills now? No More Waiting is for you. Call 800-769-3498. Want answers about your settlement payments now no more waiting is for you in fact no more waiting has prepared a dvd chock full of information to help you get the most money for your settlement payments call today it's free and there's no obligation call 800-769-3498 that's right for your free dvd just call 800-769-3498 for your free quote your free dvd and your path to financial freedom call no more You're listening to the X-Zone Radio Show live and around the world on the Talk Star Radio Network. Visit us online at www.xzone-radio.com. Hi, this is Eric Rawls of Cosmoverse.com, and you're listening to Rob McConnell in the X-Zone. Hi, this is Blade Runner, and you are listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, I'm Laura Fabron of Cease to Fields Organic Vineyards in Jordan, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Hi, my name is Lady Ashley, the White Witch of Niagara-on-the-Lake, and you're listening to Canada's number one paranormal talk radio show, The X-Zone, with Rob McConnell. Welcome to the X-Zone, a place where fact is fiction and fiction is reality. Now, here's your host, Rob McConnell.
Welcome back to the Exxon. This portion of the Exxon is being brought to you by Amethyst Wildfire and answers from your angels with Amethyst. Visit our websites at www.answersfromyourangels.com or www.amethystwildfire.com. Our special guest this hour is Tom Campbell. And uh, Tom, thanks for joining us tonight. And I was wondering if you could tell us a little bit about Save Our Seas Foundation. Sure, Rob. Um, well, first of all, Save Our Seas was founded um, about four years ago, mm-hmm. and almost five years ago now. And it started with a single founder who really has a love for the sea, and he has uh, financial <laughs> financial support in order to make changes, and that's what he wanted to do. So he formed this organization called Save Our Seas, and it's a Geneva-based uh, nonprofit organization. And one of the things that we started early on, I was appointed to the committee because I happened to know the founder and other people that were involved. And it's been quite a pleasure and an honor to be part of that committee because we've been able to be responsible for an awful lot of people getting funding and support to do various educational programs. One of the important things that we wanted to do was to establish a book series for children. And that's where we started with this Save Our Seas book series and I should qualify that by saying that we did, didn't come up with a book idea. Um, I was strapped with the responsibility of looking into who would be the most qualified people in the country to pu- publish these books. Mm-hmm. So I went to, I looked into and talked to people in New York, in Washington, D.C., and in Los Angeles. That's how we ended up with uh, Joe Carr Productions out of Los Angeles. They are the publishing producers, and they have a lot of experience doing this type of thing. And these kids are, these books are about high-tech kids from ages 8 to 12. And I'm sure you're aware that kids nowadays know more about computers than most of the adults do. Oh, boy, do I ever. <laughs> I sure do. And uh, so what they came up with was a very, very clever uh, series of books that will focus on a brother and a sister and their little dog mm-hmm. and their high-tech abilities to travel around the world in their submarine and and go to areas where there's some type of problem with the environment, and they go there to investigate it and see what they can do in terms of solving the issues. So, so far, these books, there's four series, and they're just now starting to appear in bookstores across the country, like Borders and Barnes and & Noble, and there will be many others. And the first book was titled Great White Red Alert, and it had to do with white sharks, which is a very interesting subject for little kids. The second one was called Devilfish, and that's about giant manta rays, which mm-hmm. is one of the most majestic animals in the sea. And very gentle. And very gentle, and they've mm-hmm. learned that they have a higher intelligence than most animals. They have a brain the size of a dolphin, whereas a white shark has a brain the size of a cat. Wow. And even though cunning, it's not as smart. And the third series would be on hammerheads, about hammerhead sharks at Treasure right. Island in Costa Rica. And then the fourth one that's coming out is um, about manatees. So each one uh, examines these kids' explorations around the world to solve problems that are occurring. Tell me, Tom, um, how can the next generation save our seas? And I believe in essence by saving the seas, they're going to save this planet because it is all a very, uh, very well-balanced act, this planet of ours. Well, you're right, Rob, and you know what most people don't realize is that there are literally thousands upon thousands of more species of life that live mm-hmm. in the ocean than live on land. Yeah. 
we just don't see them enough. And there's all kinds of strange creatures, and, and not, it's not all about whales and sharks and fish. There are literally millions of other species of things that people never get a chance to see that play a part in the ecosystem. And I think probably the most intelligent thing that we can do to save the seas nowadays is to educate our children. I think it's too late for a lot of adults, and it's not too late for everybody, and I hate to, cre- I hate to create a grim picture or paint one like that, but in the last 45 years that I've been diving around the world, I've seen some astronomical changes, and it's pretty scary. Like what, Tom? Well, for example, here in Santa Barbara, um, in, in the, I, I started diving here in 1962. Mm-hmm. I was a military diver at the time, and on my days off, I'd go diving on sport boats and things. And I remember the first time I jumped in the water at Catalina Island off the coast of California. The water was so clear that the only thing that obscured what you could see 150 feet away was the amount of fish life. And it was just incredible. Every place you looked, there were giant schools of fish, and the kelp was flowing back and forth, and it was like another planet. And when I used to go from Santa Barbara to the Channel Islands, which is about 28 miles off our coast, we could literally count hundreds and sometimes thousands of blue shark fins on the surface that were feeding near the surface. Nowadays, you don't see anything like that. You're lucky to see a blue shark. And when you dive at Catalina, you don't see giant schools of fish anymore. You only see a few fish. Um, they used to take abalone out here. The commercial people would take abalone by the, by the truckloads. And they finally had to ban taking abalone because they were disappearing and they were not reoccurring. They were not coming back. So I've seen this kind of thing not just off the California coast, but in many other countries where I've been diving. And it's, it's, it's a real eye-opener. Tom, what do the children say when they read the book? They read the books, and, and they, they start to get the idea that saving this planet is up to them. Well, you have a good point there, and that's exactly what's intended with the book series. It's a, it's a subliminal message in many mm-hmm. ways because, first of all, it brings up a problem that really does exist. Because each one of these books has been based on one of our expeditions. Right. We've, we've created a whole series of documentary wildlife films for the Foundation. And each one of those has a real interesting story behind it. In some place, cases, it's, it's real action. When you're diving in schools of sharks or you're diving in deep water and shipwrecks and things, there's a lot of exciting things taking place. And yet, each country that we go to, we see the decimation of different types of wildlife. Uh, wildlife and things that are happening. And so what's happened is that the writers with Joe Carr Productions have have brought this into the book series so that it, one, brings up the problem, but in an interesting way, and it does it in such a high-tech way that these kids with their high-tech sub and their little dog go to locations and they can try to solve these problems. So children between 8 and 12 read these books and they see what the problem is, number one, and if there's a solution, number two, and it might even be their generation that has the answers. Sounds like the uh, the modern-day version of Dick and Jane and Spot from when I was a kid in elementary school. Way you know, back it does, then. doesn't it? <laughs> sure does, and, and they taught us. Yeah, yeah, so, that's true. And it, it's very clever. I mean, I've, I've read the books that have come out so far, and they're just now going out to bookstores. They're not mm-hmm. readily available, but they very shortly will be. And they're real interesting books. And the few times that I've had a chance to be around kids that have read them, once they get started, they're locked. They want to read the whole book. 
So it's our hope that parents will encourage their children to go to stores, buy these books, get involved in the series as they come out, and pretty soon there's going to be aftermarket of things that will go along with the books as well. And all this is going to create an awareness about protecting our oceans. Jacques Cousteau said there's no moral, there is no longer, wait a second, Jacques Cousteau said the sea is no longer replenishing itself. Have we already done too much damage to save the ocean? You know, you could probably get a million different opinions on that, depending on the scientific community you talk to, Mm -hmm. people who are divers, people who know nothing about the ocean. But in my opinion, based on what I've seen, especially in certain populations of fish, such as sharks, um, they will not come back. We've, we've decimated the shark population to the point where some of the species, many of the species now, they know will never come back. Is that our own fault because we don't understand the, these, these animals that we share the planet with and that they've been the victim of, of relentless horror tales throughout history? It is. It's, we don't have anybody to blame for this but yeah. ourselves. Uh, you know, you often hear people say, well, when something's being depleted, you might as well get as much as you can before it's gone. Well, that type of attitude is not very good for preserving the oceans no. and our planet, as you said. So it's, it's unfortunate, but it's one of these things that unless we step in and do something about it now, we won't be able to protect what's left. How do you see, uh, over the years that you've been diving, Tom, how have you seen global warming affecting the, the oceans and, and the creatures that live within the oceans? Well, it's interesting you should bring that up, Rob, because I'm not a scientist, but I have traveled for many, many years around the world shooting Mm -hmm. photographs and in the last 15, 20 years as a cinematographer. And the planet's change has become very evident in a number of ways. Number one, sometimes we could almost bet when we went to a different country at a certain time of the year we would have the best water conditions, and we'd have everything that we needed in terms of certain species of life being there mm-hmm. and so forth. <clears throat> it's not like that anymore. It's become very unpredictable. The weather has changed so That's much sad. based on this, and certain species are starting to disappear because of this. Um, right. I'm sure that for anybody who's ever seen any of the early model or early versions of the films that were done in the 60s when they were blowing up atom bombs all over the place, mm-hmm. Um, and they, they've blown up over 300 atom bombs in space, underground, in the ocean, and on land. And that's had a tremendous effect. One of our listeners would like to know um, how these new tidal power generating, uh, I guess they, they, well, they put them in, the ti- in uh, these generators in the tidal areas and the tide going back and forth causes a turbine to turn. Uh-huh. or some mechanism to turn or to generate electricity. And uh, they were wondering if you saw any negative aspect that these these type of turbines would have on uh, on the ecosystem in the water. Mm. Well, it's an interesting question. Quite frankly, I'm probably not the most qualified person to answer it, but I can tell you this. I have seen both good and bad. Okay. I know in Florida, where they have these uh, giant power plants, they produce warm water. And in the wintertime, when the water gets very cold, manatees tend to die quite easily if they get stuck in extreme cold spurts. Mm-hmm. And so they gather around these plants where warm water is spewed into the ocean, and it helps them. 
On the other hand, I've heard about a number of these things where they have these large tubes that go into the ocean where turtles and other types of fish life will get up in there and get trapped and drown. So it's a catch-22, I think. Pros and cons. Yeah. The seas are are one of the vast areas that have left to be discovered here on this planet. There are millions and millions and millions of miles of, of Earth, of, of countries that have not been explored yet. And yet, the ocean has so much more to discover. Well, you're right. It's, um, it's always amazed me how much money the government spends on space mm-hmm. exploration when so far we haven't found a whole lot out there, and we spent a very small percentage of that total on ocean exploration, and really that's life-sustaining for us. What do you think we will find, or what we would find, if we were to take a very serious, um, very serious re- um, ex- exploration of the of the oceans? Well. For one thing, it's pretty evident that because certain animals live to be up to 200 years old, Mm -hmm. we certainly can learn something from that. These animals, such as sharks, turtles, crocodiles, some of these uh, whale sharks, they think, live up to 150 years old. Now, if these animals can live that long in the harsh environment that they deal with, couldn't we learn something from that? I mean, there has to be a number of disease cures and drugs that could come from these specific animals that could help humans. But it certainly won't help us if we kill them first. Stand by, Tom. We've got to take a commercial break. Tom Campbell's our special guest. Exxon Nation, www.saveourseas.com or www.ocean.com. Check them out. Visit Get Your Local School interested in this series of books. The children of today are the leaders of tomorrow. And I agree with Tom that getting the message across to the children is one way that we can help to secure the life on this planet and all the creatures above the sea and below the sea. Tom Campbell and I will be back on the other side of this commercial break as the Exxon continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada. On the Talkstar Radio Network, Exxon TV, and on Shortwave. Here's a DVD offer that should be of special interest to Exxon fans. 50 of the most inexcusably implausible sci-fi movies ever made. Yours for about 55 cents each. Not to rent, but to own. Marvel at the transformation of the Wasp Woman. Fear for the future of the planet when only a flying turtle, Gamera the Invisible, stands between us and oblivion. Flee in terror from the snow creature. Feel your skin crawl from the horrors of Spider Island. And if that isn't enough, there's always the robot monster in a monkey suit with a fishbowl on his head. More movies than we can name here for just $27.99 plus shipping and handling. Go to TalkStarRadio.com and check out the video bookstore and bazaar. 50 sci-fi movies so funky they're fabulous. See the whole list for $27.99. 
That's at TalkStarRadio.com. Online, TalkStarRadio.com. If you currently have a short-term fixed-rate home mortgage, you do need to listen to this. The mortgage industry is rapidly changing, and no one knows that better than your friends in the money business, Prime Pacific Capital. Every day, new guidelines are making it more and more difficult for homeowners to refinance the current mortgage. Don't get caught with the high interest rate and increased payments once that loan automatically adjusts. Interest rates are still low. Call Prime Pacific Capital today and refinance into a long-term, low-rate fixed mortgage. No matter what your credit situation or what state you live in, Prime Pacific Capital will work to secure a new loan for you. Don't count yourself out until you give us a call. A loan specialist is standing by to assist you with your free consultation. Make that call today. 1-866-464-1800. 1-866-464-1800. Call Prime Pacific. our very special guest. First of all, Tom, thanks very much for joining us tonight, and I'd love to have you back on in the future so that we can talk more about the the uh, Save Our Seas and uh, Ocean.com, because this is, uh, this is something that people really have to understand, that by neglecting the world, we're destroying ourselves. And, you know, hats off to you and the other fine people who are making a difference. Well, thanks very much, Rob. I hope that a lot of the parents can go out and pick up the Save Our Seas Adventure book series for their children because they're exciting, they're fun, and they're based on real things. I've got a question here from one of our listeners. They'd like to know if the uh, if the life has returned to Hiroshima where they set off the nuclear bomb in the oceans. Um, there is still nuclear waste in those areas, mm-hmm. and the same with uh, Bikini Atoll where they blew up an atom bomb that sunk all the ships. Right. Still nuclear waste in the sand, and they can't eat the fruit on the island. Oh, heavens. And That's only 55 years or 60 years. But they think, they say that if nuclear waste is spilled into the ocean, mm-hmm. like a nuclear submarine or something like that, yeah. it will take about 10,000 years to dissipate. Tell me, while you've been diving, has there ever been a time when you have felt as if the, the life in the sea or the sea life has been trying to communicate with you? I don't know that I could put it quite that way, Rob, but I have been in the ocean many times with spectacular marine life, which much of this actually is in these children's books, like the giant manta rays. I've had some really memorable moments diving with them, and you really, when you look into their eyes, even a white shark, when you look into their eyes as they swim by you, looking at you curiously, you can tell there's somebody at home. And that's something that I think the writers have actually brought into this book series, that children those ages can really see that these animals are so important and they're almost anthropomorphic they're almost like people all right and i have one final question here just came in by email and this is from john uh john says i'm a diver too and would like to ask tom what does he think is the real value of shark fins also how much mercury is in the fins as compared to other fish like tuna or swordfish 
Uh, there's a scientific research project going on as we speak mm-hmm. to determine how much mercury is in shark fins and compared to other fish. So that's an undetermined uh, situation right now. I couldn't answer that question. And I'm sorry, what was the other part? The other part was, um, just let me get it back up here. All right. Uh, he wanted to, uh, let me see, the, the what what you believe the real value of shark fins is. Oh, in shark fin soup? Yeah. There is none. There is no value in shark fin soup. It, it has no taste, mm-hmm. and it has no... no uh, Aphrodisiac effect whatsoever. No, and it has no effect on your health. It's not a particularly healthy thing to eat. There's nothing in it. It's just something that... It's like cutting the, the horn off a rhinoceros and grinding it up to powder and putting it in a jar and selling it as an aphrodisiac or something important. It's not. Tom, I want to thank you very much for joining us tonight, and uh, to you and all the other fine people at Save Our Seas Foundation. Keep the great work up, and I look forward to talking to you in the future, and we'll see what we can do about uh, getting the message out to mom and dads and schools to get these books and to let the children know what they can do to become part of the solution instead of a problem. Take care, Tom. When we come back from the news at the top of the hour, I will be joined by John J. Harper. We're going to be talking about Planet X as the X-Zone continues live and around the world from our studios in Hamilton, Ontario, Canada, on the Talkstar Radio Network, X-Zone TV, and on Shortwave. Out of the sun, whatever may, may think that I was number one. I ought to know, easy come, easy go. Great news. For a limited time, you can get one month free of Spectrum Mobile service. That's right, one month free with any new line. This exclusive offer is only available at select Spectrum stores. So stop by today. Our team of mobile experts are ready to help you switch and save hundreds on your mobile bill. Don't miss out on this incredible offer. Come see us at Market at Hilliard, Taylor Square, and Waterloo Crossing. Spectrum Internet and auto pay required. Restrictions apply. Visit store for details.